Hey guys, welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. I think I said scriptures. Scriptures? How do you say that? Scriptures. 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 It's a hard one to say. Scriptures. Because we say it so much, I've analyzed myself saying it many times. Scriptures. Well, there's all, I mean, we, we've been meeting people out here that have talked about some of the way that people say things in different parts of the world, right? Like in Pennsylvania, they say it's water instead of water, like W-O-O-D-E-R. Someone told me today, I could tell you had an accent. And I thought, oh, I'm cool. <laughs> we have an accent. I have an accent. <laughs> but I think, you know, in Utah, we have our accent things too. Like I always, oh, for sure. I always get after people when they call it syrup instead of syrup. Or crayon instead of crayon, or prayer instead of prayer. I'd like to see what you do when you go after people when they. I get vicious. <laughs> but scripture, scriptures, I'll have to work on that one. Anyway, we're a podcast about the written word, and we're glad to be studying with you. This week is Third Nephi, chapters twelve through sixteen. Uh, last week, the Savior came to the Nephite people. We had a wonderful study there, uh, and this week we get to study his teachings that he gives to him as he's there. This week and over the next over couple the next of couple weeks, of weeks yeah. yeah. Now, last week we mentioned that uh, we wanted to try something new at the beginning of our episodes, and based on what we do around our dinner table at family time, which is we get to tell highs and lows. A high is a highlight from the day, a low is a low light from the day. Um, last week we shared a high. This week we want to share a low. You should is probably this, share it is because this, it's I was your say, low. Is this your low? <laughs> no, this is or just yours. Mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's I, it's kind of a mixture, a little bit, because. Um, but anyway, this week's low is my fear of wildlife out here. <laughs> That you didn't know you had. <laughs> that I didn't. Well, I kind of did. I'm kind of afraid of bears and cougars in the mountains sometimes. Mm. So I'm... Mountains. Mountains. In the mountains. I'm trying to pronounce my accent. <laughs> Pronunciate my accent, if that's a thing. That doesn't really work. Anyway, um, tons of trees out here, which is awesome. But um, obviously, along with forests come all the fun things like... Mostly bugs. Bugs have been a thing. Ticks. Yeah, I've Ooh. kind of been a little bit, Zach might say, hypersensitive. Ultra hypersensitive. Ultra hyper. Mega ticks. ultra hypersensitive. <laughs> um, but the coolest thing, but also just something that just made me laugh. So this is kind of why we're marking it in as a low is like we were outside and my kids were looking out. Well, they looked out the window and they're like, Mom, there is a huge bird out there. And so we walk outside and sure enough, it is... I mean, probably two feet tall, not exaggerating, a huge hawk. And at least I think it was a hawk, probably. In a tree that's whatever, 15, right in our 20 yard. feet from our front door. And I could not believe that I was seeing this animal, this bird in in our front yard. And I was so fascinated. We kept getting closer and like wanting to take a picture. And then I thought, wait, these birds are like the fastest 
animals on earth or fastest birds at least and i got scared and so i'm just like oh my goodness what's flying gonna around here what are all down these and things pick up our three-year-old and, and... and land a tick on me while it's on it <laughs> but the other good thing is the turtles we've seen a lot of turtles seen a lot of turtles caught some baby turtles so this is a, a mixture of high and low i guess you could say but okay. Anyway, it was it made me laugh how afraid I was all of a sudden of like, is that big bird gonna come swoop up my daughter? <laughs> so there you go. Good there's times. our there's our low from the week. Yeah. Now on to what's really important for today. Like we said, studying um this week, third Nephi twelve through sixteen. So here we go. Yeah. Well, there's a scripture a scripture. Uh there's a passage. Uh, in Matthew 9 that I've always kind of puzzled about, and I know what it means generally, but um, I dug a little bit deeper this week. So, and you'll probably remember it, in Matthew 9, Jesus is in one of those exchanges with the Pharisees, and uh, he says to them in verse 16, no man putteth a piece of new cloth onto an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Translation, you can't put a new piece of cloth, to, or you can't use a new piece of cloth to patch up an old garment. Because the new piece of cloth stretches uh, or contracts, and it'll just make the tear worse. As you attach it in, as you sew it together, it'll just pull and stretch the way the cloth worked back then. A lot of cloths were leather or animal skins. And then verse 17, neither do men put new wine into old bottles. And the word bottle there is probably better tra translated as a wine skin. Again, it's a bag that's made up of uh, animal skins that they kept wine in. And as the wine would ferment, it would expand the bag. And so if you put new wine in it that hasn't fermented, if it expands a bag that's already been expanded, then the bag would start to crack. It would grow brittle and you'd get uh, holes in it and the wine would leak out. So no men or neither do men put new wine into old bottles else the bottles break and the wine runneth out and the bottles perish but they put new wine into new bottles and both are preserved now the subtle message that's there that i really like as i've dug is jesus is not a repairman meaning he wasn't coming to patch up or fix the things that were wrong with judaism he was a revolutionary. It wasn't patching up something old with a little bit of something new. It was a completely new gospel. It was a completely new testament and a new covenant. Now, the old helped to prepare his disciples for the new. We're not throwing out the old because it was bad. The law of Moses wasn't bad. Uh, the, the doctrines and the covenants that were there weren't bad. They were preparatory. But he's very clear that when he comes, uh, he brings with him new wine that needs to be put into new bottles, new wineskins. Now, the reason I like that is because he says something really similar in our study this week. Now, um, you may already know this, but 3 Nephi chapters 12 through 14, I hear people say this, and it always kind of upsets me, kind of like when they say syrup. They say, well, you can just skip chapters 12 through 14 in 3 Nephi because it's just the Sermon on the Mount. Faults on so many levels. First of all, Jesus is not a mountain. He's at the temple. So I call it the Sermon at the Temple. Uh, and number two, from almost the very beginning, he adds things and changes things from what he says in Matthew. This is a completely different sermon, and it has a different aspect to it. Um, and then we get a hint at that 
in chapter 15. So chapters 12 through 14 are the, uh, very similar doctrines and teachings to the Sermon on the Mount, though phrased differently and, and uh, he adds to it quite a bit. But in chapter 15, it says this, starting in verse 1. Um, it came to pass that when Jesus had ended these sayings, he cast his eyes round about on the multitude and said unto them, Behold, you have heard the things which I taught before I ascended to my Father. Therefore, whoso remembereth these sayings of mine and doeth them, him will I raise up at the last day. And it came to pass that when Jesus had said these words, he perceived that there were some among them who marveled and wondered what he would concerning the law of Moses. For they understood not the saying that old things had passed away and that all things had become new. And he said unto them, Marvel not that I said unto you that old things had passed away and that all things had become new. Behold, I say unto you that the law is fulfilled that was given unto Moses. Behold, I am he that gave the law, and I am he who covenanted with my people Israel. Therefore, the law in me is fulfilled, for I have come to fulfill the law. Therefore, it hath an end. And that caught my attention this time as a really great way to frame this study of second Nephi, or third Nephi chapters 12 through 16. Um, in these chapters, what Jesus will do is he's going to explain to them what was old, and he does it often by prefacing it by saying, "You've heard of them that it has, uh, you've heard of them of old that it has been said, and then he'll say what the teaching was that's old. And then he explains what he's bringing to replace it. So the question we would like to ask is, as we study these chapters, what old things do we read in here that, um, that resonate with us that we feel we need to do away with or move on from? As I'm reading, what old things do I feel like I need to get out of my life? And what new things do I need to add to my life to replace them? And maybe to add even a little more depth to this question, I couldn't help but notice some of the new things that Christ adds in these in this sermon at the temple that he gives to the Nephites. So we know this verse. It's in chapter 12, verse 48. Um, Therefore, I would that you should be perfect, even as I or your Father in heaven who is perfect. So I believe we decided that he adds in the even as I. Yeah, even that's in not this in one. the New Testament, um, which helps so, us understand it doesn't mean to be perfect without mistake it means be perfected like he has become perfected right. now to be complete and so we have this verse which we know but i love thinking of these verses that precede this in this chapter so starting in third nephi chapter 12 verse 46 therefore those things which were of old time which were under the law in me are all fulfilled and then he says old things are done away and all things have become new um I just kind of emphasizing that idea of like, we're done with that. I fulfilled it. And now all things are to become new. And I just thought in thinking of what we want to put away and what we want to try to become new. Um, I love that he says in the next verse, be perfect, even as I, um, but it's, you can become that. You can become complete and whole through me. You can become a new person through me. So not only what things do we want to get rid of and 
what things do we want to start doing new, but how can I become, throw away maybe some of my old habits and the things that I do? And I guess that's kind of the same question, but thinking more of that, like maybe a little more deeper in your heart as we think about these questions of how can I become new through Jesus Christ? Well, it changes the way we view perfection. Um, it's not in the New Testament when he gives that verse, the Greek word does mean to be fully finished. But here there's an element of newness to it. It's not just to rub off the stains or buff out the dents or to finish the project even. It's to become a new creature, to become something different and new Yes. because of your relationship with Christ. And that's what I like. All things have become new. It almost sounds like this invitation mm -hmm. to come and see me, come be a part of this change, yeah. become new in me. So one that stood out to me is here in chapter 12 as well. So I'll start out with that. Um, we have the old law here in verse 21, which is thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment of God. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother shall be in danger of his judgment. Um, and then he goes on to say the new law. If ye shall come unto me, or shall desire to come unto me, and rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, go thy way unto thy brother, and first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come unto me with full purpose of heart, and I will receive you. So I, I kind of think of this as like maybe even multiple steps of like, don't do this, but don't even be angry, but also forgive them and let go of your grievances and try and be reconciled to them. Um, and I think that the new thing or the thing to add into your life is that if you have that desire to come unto me, you, with full purpose of heart, you can come unto him with that full purpose of heart. If you let go of these things, those things take up space, those grievances and the anger, they take up space in our heart. And I guess I read it that way this time thinking, well, if we really want to come to him with full purpose of heart, we need all of our heart to be available and we can't let it be available when we have so much of the, those, I don't know, icky feelings um, taking up space. Well, and there's quite a few in here uh, similar to this where Jesus says, you know, the old law is an eye for an eye, but I say unto you, love your neighbors, love your enemies even, uh, pray for those that use you, that despitefully use you. Um, and so it's obvious that this is something that's important to the Savior, that we move past this kind of tit for tat, he did this to me and I do this to him, or I'll hold on to this grudge, to a much higher and much holier life, which is loving first and forgiving often. The first one that I gravitated towards is in chapter 13, and it's another one that the Savior repeats a couple of times. Uh, verse 1, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that I would that you should do alms unto the poor. But take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father who is in heaven. And then uh, verse 4, or verse 3 and 4. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thy alms may be in secret. And thy Father who seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. He repeats that in verse 6. When thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father who is in secret, and thy Father who seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. 
And then again in verses 17 and 18. When thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy father who is in secret. And thy father who seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And I was thinking about old and new, and um, this is maybe an ironic one because in the old, old days, thinking the 1800s, the beginnings of our country, almost everything religious was done in secret. The home was the center of spirituality. You think of the Smith home, uh, and the center of spirituality was in the home with Father Smith reading scriptures, with Mother Smith uh, caring and nurturing for her children, telling them stories. That's where uh, religiosity took place. It was in secret and in private. But in our modern world, everything is so visible, and it's really easy to be drawn into living a religious life for the visibility of it. And so I think that this new thing, which is the ultra visibility of the world that we live in because of social media and videos and pictures, etc., needs to become to some degree an old thing. Uh, the most sacred and spiritual things that happen in a life are often the ones that happen secretly, privately, on our own, when we're in our closets or having a, a personal special moment with our Heavenly Father. And I wonder if we lose some of that. I wonder if I lose some of that when I'm trying so hard uh, to make those moments visible or accessible to others. Well, it's interesting. I think that one's really relevant for right now. I mean, slowly some of us are moving out of the isolation phase of this COVID era of our world history. But, um, I mean, that's what we were doing. We're, mm -hmm. We've been worshiping in that same way at home and we're slowly getting back into the flow of things, but you don't know how long this is going to last where we're really doing those at home worship. And even that like inner heart work when it's, we can't really do things yeah. outwardly as much. In fact, I've talked with quite a few people that have uh, mentioned this, that when when uh, we stopped going to church, the first couple of weeks or so was, if we're honest, a kind of this celebration that everyone was like, sweet, we get to do church at home. We don't have to drive to our building. For some people, church is hours away, right? Or get your kids ready. Get your kids ready and sit in the pews, make them sit still and go to classes and go to meetings. And so it was kind of the celebration of being home. And after the newness of that wore off, we kind of hit this lull where uh, our excitement for doing home church kind of faded a little bit. Um, maybe our our Sundays got a little bit looser and things got a little bit uh, less spiritual. Are you talking from personal experience? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but then I've talked with a couple of people that have said recently over the past couple of weeks, there's been this resurgence where we're finally starting to figure out what this looks like to have home-centered church. And I've thought a lot about that since President Nelson announced that home-centered church way before COVID hit. And then we have this worldwide pandemic that forces us to practice it, forces us to go home and go inside and be in our own lives and in our own hearts and try and connect with God without the assistance of an external church organization or without the assistance of a ward family. And uh, it's difficult and it's hard, but for a lot of people I've talked to, it's been really, really rewarding. 
Well, I think it goes back to exactly what we're talking about. This is getting out with the old things of having this very maybe only outward appearance Mm. of your religiosity and realizing like, oh, that heart work of what do I really believe and why am I doing this stuff? Because we're on our own, you know, essentially on our own to figure that out. Well, that actually kind of leads to these next verses that are well-known verses, but I've never read them together. But in this set of scriptures that I'm using, which is just your standard blue set Book of Mormon, these two verses kind of fell right across from each other. So this is chapter 13, first verse 24, and you'll recognize this verse, I'm sure. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. And then verse 33 of chapter 13 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So I thought, well, what do you want to do away with um, or move on from is serving two masters. And I know sometimes we talk about serving God, so I I know that sometimes we will we use that language, but the word itself, when when I thought of these two words together. So you see serve and seek. So no man can serve two masters, but seek ye first. And I thought that idea of serving kind of makes it feel like someone's making me do something. Mm. I'm getting dragged to do something. I'm I'm a servant or a slave. Right. And that's kind of that feeling that you get when you're subject to your old habits or some of those things that you want to get, get away from that you need Jesus for. And, and then I thought, what I want to add is the seeking. I want to get rid of that serving and feeling like I'm chained to something and those old habits and the, the things that you want to try and repent from. Um, but then I see light as I read this verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Um, that sounds like you're on an exploration. You're ready to to seek something new and become a new person. Mm-hmm. Well, and once again, um, a benefit of COVID sounds like a kind of callous way to talk about it, but something that has turned for good in all of this is it's given us time to spend seeking for God um, because the structure or the organization of much of our religious life has been reduced or limited at least for me, for us, it's allowed us time to really seek God on a more personal and intimate level. Yeah, which maybe that's why this one stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, and it also stuck out to me because this is one of my favorite songs, The Wise Man oh, and The Foolish yeah. Man. Mm-hmm. But um, So I was excited to see these verses because I just love what this teaches. Of course, we know... I will liken them unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. So reading at the end of chapter 14. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Um... I was just thinking how, you know, sometimes I do a lot of sand things to fill my day. Hmm. (laughs) They're the kind of things that 
really don't lift me up or boost me in any sort of way and I'm building my day upon sand (laughs) and in comparison when I'm actually doing things that like help me stand up and make me feel strong and bring me something to stand on otherwise I I kind of feel like I'm maybe even in quicksand where you're kind of just drowning I mean I have some of those I don't know my funny ones that I think of we probably mentioned my bad habit of nervously picking my fingers that just leave me with scabs on my fingers (laughs) don't laugh at me Zach or if I get too engrossed in social media in some way and I think like, wait, why why am I spending my day here? These, I don't know, these were for this time, I thought like, these are kind of the sand things and mm-hmm. I build my day and essentially if I'm building my day, I'm building my life on these habits that I don't want to be doing. I want to be building on a rock and I, I feel a difference when I when I prepare myself in different ways. Yeah. Old, rock versus sand, old versus old new. things done away, yeah. For me, the most personal one if that one was for you, mine is in chapter 13, kind of towards the end. Um, in verse 25, Jesus speaks to the 12 um, and addresses the last part of his sermon to them. And then in chapter 15, verse 11, he speaks to the 12 again until the end of chapter 16. So a lot of the end of this sermon is aimed at the 12 apostles, and he gives them a lot of responsibilities. All the way up until the beginning of chapter 17, he's listing for them uh, commandments, responsibilities. They're to go and preach the gospel. Uh, they're to organize a church, and he's giving them instructions to do that, which could be a really overwhelming thing, except he prefaces all of that with these verses in 26. He said, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, even so will he clothe you if you are not of little faith. At the very end of that, he says, the verse that you read, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then verse 34, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient is the day unto the evil thereof. Translation, there are so many things you could worry about and stress about in the future. You could stress about tomorrow. You could stress about a week from now or a month from now. You could worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to say when you get there and how you're going to dress. However, God takes care of his children. He created this world and he'll create or he'll take care of you, his creation as well. I mentioned last week a little bit of the spiritual journey that I've been on over the past couple of weeks, but this one has been, this scripture, consider the lilies of the field, has been the one that's recycled in my mind over and over. And if there's something old that I have wanted to, and because of this teaching have been more successful than I ever have in my life at getting rid of, it's my personal stresses and anxieties about things that are either outside of my circle of control or 
stressing too much about the myriad of things that I think are inside of my circle of control. And I've been able to replace that with a calm and peaceful assurance that God takes care of the flowers, he takes care of the birds, he takes care of the mountains, and none of those things stress. And if he can do that for those things, if he can do that for the flowers that are here today and get thrown out tomorrow, how much more will he be able to do it for me? And as I've done that, I have felt God take so much more care of me. Or maybe better said, I've opened myself up so much more to his care. I've trusted in him more. And my life has become so much more peaceful. And so from a testimony perspective, I can say that at least in that one aspect, getting that old thing out of my life, all of that stress and care and worry, and replacing it with faith and assurance and God's love and care and concern for me has made a world of difference. And from being by your side through much of that, I can attest that these things aren't easy. It's not easy to get rid of the old things and bring the new things. We've made it sound like maybe it's, well, you do, don't do this anymore and you do this. It's really easy. But I think it's possible, very possible. And I'm telling that to my own self as a, um, no, it is possible through Jesus Christ. That's why he's here. He's here to help us become new, become changed. And I need that in my life and I need him. And I've loved the thoughts that these verses bring that he teaches us to remember to include him in our changes in becoming new people and becoming whole and changed through him. Well, thank you so much for studying with this, us this week in these chapters. We hope that you have a lovely study and a lovely week, and we'll see you next week.